Hi, everyone. I know recently we announced we were going to two episodes a week and then three episodes a week. But you know what? There are just too many episodes. So we are going to back to five episodes a week. Still a reduction from seven, but there were just too many interviews scheduled, and I didn't want to make all the authors wait for too long. So I hope you can keep up with me. Listen to one a week as you're on your way to work or on your way home or putting your kids to bed or whatever it is you're doing. Moms don't have time to read books now five times a week. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Hi, I'm Zibby Owens, the creator and host of the award-winning podcast that you're listening to right now, thank you so much, called Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. It is a daily podcast, 365 days a year, and each day we talk to an author about all of the things related to their career, their book, their life, and more in 30 minutes or less, because who has time? I am now an author myself, although I wasn't when I started this podcast, and you can get my new memoir, Bookends, a memoir of love, loss, and literature, wherever books are sold starting July 1st, and my children's book, Princess Charming. You can learn more about me at zibbyowens.com, but really, you're here to learn more about the authors, and that is what we're going to do. Also, be sure to check out all the other podcasts in the Zcast Podcast Network. You can learn more at zcastnetwork.com and definitely check out those shows as well. Josh Peck is the author of Happy People Are Annoying. Josh Peck is an actor, comedian, podcaster, and social media star who has led roles in iconic television shows like Drake and Josh on Nickelodeon, as well as Grandfathered with John Stamos on Fox, and now Turner and Hooch, the series on Disney+. Plus. He lives in Los Angeles with his wife and their son. Thanks for coming on, Moms. Don't have time to read books. Josh, author of Happy People Are Annoying. I can't wait to discuss this book and your career and and all the good stuff with you. Excellent. I can't wait. Also, she would kill me if I did not say this right away, but my daughter, who is just about 15, is a huge fan and has watched like all your shows and was like, could not believe I was talking to you today. So... Anyway, you can do with that what you will. <laughs> I appreciate it. Thank you. Um, okay. Happy people are annoying. 
gosh, I hope I'm not too happy today. I'll try to tone it down. I'll try to be as depressed as, as I can get um, to make things better. Um, why write the book? Why now? Why did you do it? And how did you decide to make it so conversational, which I loved, but it was like you talking to a friend or just sometimes more stream of consciousness and just super personal and friend to friend ish. Um, yeah, thank you. I, I, I think I, I sort of made the book deal at the start of the pandemic. So it seemed like a good way to use my time and also it just seemed like a perfect time being 35 and at this inflection point in my life, I didn't want to write a memoir or something, you know, from the finish line. Um, I didn't want to write some self-help book from someone who was all better. I wanted to write from someone who was a work in progress, views from the halfway point, something accessible for people so that they didn't have to feel like the person talking to them couldn't truly relate. Like I wanted it to feel like an older sibling or someone who was just a couple steps ahead giving re- good recon from the front lines. Interesting. I love it. Um, you know, one thing I related to very much was your love of food. <laughs> you said uh, early on um, when you were talking about your 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 weight and, and your mom, your, if, can I, if I could read this little paragraph, is that okay with you? Sure. Um, you said, uh, <laughs> Dr. Blumenfeld, great guy. Shout out Dr. Blumenfeld. Actually, shout out every pediatrician I had who had tried to put a 12-year-old on cholesterol medication before their bar mitzvah. And why did no one have these conversations without me present? I guess the truth is for every conversation I did here, there were probably two more I didn't. I'm sure there were plenty of opinions being tossed in my mom's direction of how she could best intervene in my Pop-Tart habit. Send him to fad camp. I heard that a lot. I sent Jeremy there last summer and he got home. I barely recognized him. Jewish mothers, I, by the way, am a Jewish mother and have a Jewish mother. So FYI, Jewish mothers love to send their kids off to camp to heal them from the food issues they implanted themselves when they wouldn't excuse us before we finished our plates. And while I like tick bites and canoeing as much as the next kid, I'm not sure expensive sleepaway camp was going to get in the way of me and my pesky habit. Actually, it wasn't a habit. It was love. My first love. Brilliant. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. Um, Okay. Talk to me about that. Why was food your first love? Tell me about how you used it and how it has sort of served you over time and what, how you feel about it now. I mean, I know you write about this a lot, but where is your relationship with food these days? Yeah, I don't know why it was my first love. I think it was the first thing that I had access to that gave me a little bit of a head change. And whatever you find, whatever your thing is, be it food or alcohol or spending or smoking or relationships, you know, it doesn't, it can take so many forms. And it's like, all those things are the medicine that helps life go down, you know, uh, the, or, or the sugar that helps life go down, I should say. So, you know, it's our first foray. It's not specific to Jewish kids, although it was kids who grew up in, in a Jewish household and just like what a focused food was. But we all uh, are rewarded as soon as we can remember with cake and sugar and sweets. And so I think it's sort of the first easiest indulgence. I, you know, it's funny, I, I am like slightly triggered, even though I know it's my own stuff. And so I never obviously voice it. But when I go to, you know, I have a three-year-old now and I'll go to one-year-old's birthdays and they'll be like, there's this thing now, the smash cake, where you have your one-year-old get their own cake for them that's not for the party. And they just have at it, go nuts, eat it, grab it. And it's it, it, extremely cute and, and adorable. But I also, just like the smallest part of my brain goes like, uh-oh. Because <laughs> I know what it did to me. So I think it was my first sort of foray into overdoing things. But 
I just did it differently than my fellows. And, uh, and today I have a much different relationship with food, thankfully. Well, you wrote, uh, you wrote about the period of time in which you lost weight, but you also talk about your dependence on other things and how uh, you had to navigate your way through that. And uh, you had this one scene where you're almost pulled over. I can't remember, somewhere in LA, I can't remember exactly where, but anyway, you narrowly escaped. Uh, <laughs> and, you, you know, you have many of these sort of hitting bottom moments where you decide to regroup and go off in a different direction. Um, have you, do you feel like you've solved that fundamental thing? It doesn't almost matter what the thing is, if it's food, as you were saying before, like, is there a thing you turn to now that maybe is a healthier outlet, like, or not? I think we certainly develop healthier sort of tools throughout our lives. Ideally, you know, the easy things are exercise and then it becomes relationships and doing good things for other people and esteemable acts build self-esteem. And so I'm certainly more equipped today, but I think the most significant part of it is that I know that it's a practice. And right. so last night's meal won't keep you fed. And I just know I'll never be all better. And sort of my level of, of peace is predicated on my spiritual maintenance. So it's like, mm. what am I doing to stay in good spiritual shape? Oh, I love that. That's very, I love that. Um, Back to the Jewish thing for just a second. And again, not to say this is only in Jewish households. <laughs> my, my, my husband is, is Italian and I feel like they have some similarities in terms of food worship and all of that and how central it is to everything. But sure. I, feel like, I feel like the Jewish shaming has a particular recognizable tone. You're supposed to eat your grandmother's amazing chocolate roll, but God forbid you put weight on because of it. And I feel like, at least for me, and I don't know, I mean, anytime I would see a grandparent or anybody, it would always be about my weight. Like, how is your weight? Okay, your weight looks like you did. It, there's so much focus on it. And I think part of it maybe was generationally, but I, I don't know, as a Jewish mom, how do we make sure not to do this to our kids and have them still enjoy all these amazing foods that are part of the culture and the family and all of that? Like, how have you solved that? I, you know, I wonder what, I, I love to like think about the cause and effect of like the deep-seated sort of, um, beginnings of why things are the way they are. And I wonder if it's just that we are a people who are hard on themselves because we've always had to self-govern and persevere. And so it sort of manifested itself into some, into these less than healthy views on body image. And, and look, we're, you know, I, again, I, I don't mean to make us a monolith or overly generalized, but we're a people known for our minds and, and our contributions to science and the arts, we're not necessarily known for our physical prowess. So maybe that's, also, <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm not sure. But yeah, I think you're right. When it comes to my son, and, and I'm thankful that I have a wife who had a different experience, but certainly, you know, she, it, what's great, what I've learned from my wife, who's Irish Catholic and a volleyball player and seems to always have had a perfect body is that she's still super cognizant of what she's eating and mindful of it. So even people who, in theory, from far away, you could say, like, what did they have to worry about? They were certainly thinking about food and sometimes in an obsessive way. Um, mm. but I think, yeah, I, I, think I, I might hate your wife. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> no, I, I know what you mean. But like my wife and she has two sisters who look just like her. And it's, it's it. They are not free of it. That that's what I've come to know. You know, we can chalk it up to metabolisms and all these things, but it's not actually 
the case, maybe for a very small percentage, but I think even people who are in great shape their whole life are, are giving a lot of thought to what they're putting in their body. But certain things that I've learned with my son of like finishing your plate is a bad habit. We could all stand to not finish our plate. And, and why do we want our kids to finish their plate? So that they can be rewarded with more food, with more dessert, like no dessert until you finish your plate. So I think it's being mindful of these things that were probably born out of need and necessity and because, you know, food is scarce, but now have a negative connotation because it would implant in my son this idea that I need to overeat to satisfy my dad. And I should say also that obviously this whole issue is a an issue of privilege and that so many people struggle to even get food on the table and sure. especially during COVID and everything. So these, these sort of woe is me problems. Um, I don't need to harp too, too much on, but I just, um, there is this sense of relatability where I feel like I was like, Oh, I totally know what this guy's talking about. Like, Oh my gosh. So, um, anyway, just wanted to flag that. Planning for your next trip, elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway. Like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more, with Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Um, I also, I found it so interesting for the first time ever, you really broke down the misperception of how sort of rolling in dough you were, you are as a sitcom star and you took the actual amount that you were earning and you broke it down by episode, by year, um, and everything else to make it seem more like another job. So tell me a little bit about the fact that people believe one thing about you and that yet reality perhaps is another and how being a working actor does not necessarily mean you can never worry about money the rest of your life. Yeah. When I was writing that part of the book, I I, I hadn't intended to talk about money in a specific way. I, I wanted to obviously get the theme of what I was trying to say across, but I didn't necessarily want to talk specifics because talking about money usually is gross. And right. luckily I had this brilliant book advisor, a buddy of mine named Ryan Holiday, who said, oh, you must say exactly how much you make. And 
And I said, why? He said, because until I really knew you, I'm one of those people who believe mm-hmm. that, but not everyone knows you the way I do. So it's important. And it wasn't out of, you know, when I talked about this in interviews, the, um, of course, the clickbait or the, 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 the title of the articles were, you know, Josh Peck feels like he's part of a generation of kid actors who got screwed. Like, that's not the headline. I mean, I certainly feel like we could have been more compensated, but what it was more about was, to your point, correcting the misperception, because that's what I found annoying, which was that when you finished a show like that, people assumed that if they saw you do anything other than like a blockbuster movie or the biggest A-list thing, that you had blown your money, that you were irresponsible, that you were slumming it. When in reality, you know, we were just doing things to be able to pay our rent and to have a middle-class lifestyle. Cause that show, you know, we made for five years, what was a middle-class income, but like most people, if you turn off that spout of income, you only have, if you've been smart with your money, a year, maybe 18 months of runway, and, and then you need to make a living. So I felt the need to sort of make people understand that there was a side of it perhaps they hadn't fully understood. Yes. Well, I, I mean, I, this was probably the first time I've actually spoken about money on the podcast in any, in any direct way either. I, you know, <laughs> I'm always telling them, I'm like, you just don't talk about that. You know? <laughs> but uh, but I, I agree with you because I would have assumed something far different even being, you know, aware of what goes on in the world and whatever, it's like, there. I don't know, this whole culture of celebrity is, I mean, you really don't think that celebrity, people really don't think celebrities are regular people. I mean, that's why these like Us Weekly pumping gas, people are shocked, right? I mean, it is, it's sort of funny. So I think it's nice to just be like, you know what, not only is this a look inside my entire life and, and my head, but also my bank account, just to say like, I'm not that different. And like the things that I go through, maybe not being on screen for many, many years, but are not so dissimilar to whatever you are struggling with. I think so. I, I think we're all looking for, you know, we, we looked up throughout, you know, the last millennia or two, you know, we looked up to the aristocracy because it was like this idea of a way out of, of our circumstance. And, and I think celebrity, you know, whatever the version athlete, you know, uh, actor or, or even a reality star, they afford us this sort of escapism, this idea of like, oh, if I had their house and those cars and that opportunity, I'd be all better. When in reality, they're probably having a very similar experience to you as far as spiritually and mentally and emotionally, just with their particular set of circumstance. I just will say that like getting better is certainly easier when you, when you don't have to worry about money. Like it affords you the opportunity to seek more help than when you're having to grind it out on a day-to-day basis just to make ends meet. Right. Of course. Interesting. Um, so now that the book is in the world and everything and you're, you know, talking about it and what has there, any, has there been, have there been things that have come up that you were not anticipating or, or passages that you were like, you know what, I kind of wish I had not put that in. No, I, I think that it's a great question. You know, I was recently on my friend Sean Avery's podcast, and for anyone who doesn't know, Sean Avery was an all-star, you know, player in the National Hockey League and played for 12 years, had a really successful career. And then once he finished in his mid-30s, he sort of pivoted now, and he's a pretty successful actor. 
And he talked about writing his book, which he had written right as he retired from the NHL. And he said, you know, it felt like I was putting that guy, like uh, it was like the final chapter of who that Sean was. Like I was putting that guy to bed. And I said, that's exactly how I feel with this book. For so long, I wanted to erase my origin story. I never wanted it to be, you know, in the annals of history that I was 100 pounds overweight or that I had done performances I wasn't necessarily proud of or any kind of thing that, you know, now I look back on and I might get the normal cringe we all would get looking at video of ourselves a decade or two ago. But I think what the great byproduct of it is, is that like by putting it all out in the book, by telling my side of it, my experience, you know, I don't, I don't have to make a case for myself anymore. It's sort of like that was it. And I encapsulated it in the way that I wanted to. And now, you know, going on from 35 forward, like I wonder what the next, you know, 20 years will be like. Interesting. Um, Well, I'm glad I gave you this sort of sense of closure um, yeah. on, this cha- on the chapter of your life and everything. That's great. Uh, so what is, what is next for you? What's on the docket in terms of like all areas aside from your child? <laughs> um, well, I mean, professionally I'm, I'm on this show, how I met your father on, on, uh, Hulu. And I, I have a small part in the new Chris Nolan movie coming out next year. And, oh, and, and I have this movie where I play a rabbi funny enough called, Uh, in this movie called 13, the musical that'll come out August 12th um, on Netflix. So that's really fun. I couldn't be more pleased to be a part of that. And uh, yeah, and then just like being a good dad and we're moving into our first house this year, which is a wild prospect because I just, I'm not great with spiders or anything remotely manly. (laughs) So the idea that it's going to fall on me to like fix things, that'll be an interesting new experience. But uh, yeah. I, I feel very, you know, I'm, I'm very proud of, of sort of everything that's gone on thus far. And I'm excited to see what's next. It's amazing. Wait, tell me more about 13. Uh, 13, it's it's based on the musical 13, which is about a kid going through his bar mitzvah. And it was uh, on Broadway in, I think, the early, uh, you know, 2010s. And now they sort of updated it for Netflix. And it's like a cast of these incredibly, you know, talented young um, singers and, and dancers. And, and then there's people like Deborah Messing and Rhea Perlman in it. And, and me as the, the grown ups supporting these incredible kids. Amazing. That's awesome. Yeah. My, my husband, um, is a producer, his company is Morning Moon. And, um, he's been trying to get this film made called The Mensch about a guy who never had his bat mitzvah, but like owes a bunch of money when he's older and decides to go back and have it so that he can earn the money. <laughs> That's a great idea. Oh my that'd God. Be, I love that. I know. I feel like you should do it with it. <laughs> I know that that's pretty brilliant. I, that's a really funny idea. Yeah. It's good. Um, okay. Anyway. Uh, thank you so much. Um, happy people are annoying. I, I disagree, but, uh, I, uh, I'm kidding. I decided to let people know about you. You did a really good job of that and, um, allow people to connect with you and learn more about you. And it's just great. It's like, a, a the gift of intimacy when one person shares with another, it's really nice. Um, so muzzle tough. <laughs> I appreciate it. So, so nice to meet you. And I'm so happy to be on your pod. And you know, that's to your point, it's like 
my life has been so benefited by people being willing to be transparent with their struggles, their life experience. So if any way I can be helpful to others with mine, uh, I mean, I can't get away with it. My awkward teenage years are in reruns. So I might as well editorialize. <laughs> <a bit. laughs> might as well. Why not? Exactly. Thank you, right, Zibi. Well, really nice to meet you. Take care. Bye-bye. You too. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to this episode of Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. Don't forget to follow me on Instagram at Zibby Owens and at Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. Also sign up for my newsletter at ZibbyOwens.com and sign up for my virtual book club and meet lots of authors on Zoom every other week. Thanks so much to Steve and Ryan at Texture Sound for the sound editing. And thank you to Morning Moon Productions for providing this fantastic intro and outro music. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 